You're listening to the Mining for Mayhem podcast, and you can find me, the phenomenal one, AJ, over at Backseat Bookers. Too sweet. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to everyone's favorite podcast. This is Mining for Mayhem. And boy, what a whirlwind of a two weeks we've had since WrestleMania. I'm back after a short hiatus. I've gone back to work, gone back to doing 60 hours a week. So obviously I've taken a little time off. But I'm back. And this week on Mining for Mayhem, from Canada, we have our boys... The Wednesday Night Wallop Show have sent, kindly sent me Kyle. Kyle, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks so much for getting up as early as you did for this. Oh, of course. It's my pleasure. I know it's 8 a.m. and that's just... Cr- I'm not a morning person, so anyone that gets up that early, I am so grateful for. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's my usual wake-up time for work, so this is just, you know, another day. Yeah. Well, if I have the open shift, I'm up at 6 o'clock for a 6 a.m. Yeah, 6.30 a.m. start. But other than that, I do not get up before 10 a.m. Unless unless it's for a recording. Well, yeah, yeah, I definitely, I, I feel, I definitely feel you. If, if I don't have to be up, the, I will be sleeping till, you know, 11 or something like that. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And, as I said just before, what a whirlwind of the past two weeks we've had since WrestleMania. It's been crazy. Yeah, a lot of empty house shows, a lot of just, you know, it's the world is a weird place right now. And we're all trying to sort of figure this this stuff out together. And, and wrestling is no different for sure. Yeah, and it's with the lack of wrestling going on. It makes it a lot harder to come up and create content. So how have you been dealing with that? Um, fortunately, with us covering the Wednesday night shows, those have still been going at very least. But yeah, it's been a bit more difficult. We definitely have found we're spending a lot of time ranting about the WWE investors calls and, and that kind of like behind the scenes stuff now. Yeah, it's been crazy because... If you look at WWE now, obviously they're not to blame for this at all. But the one thing I've noticed for me, I get they're doing it at the performance center, and obviously we all understand why. The one thing I've found hard to watch though is because it's all um, in the same building, it all seems so similar. You don't even realize it's a different show anymore. You feel like you're just watching WWE like. NXT, Raw, SmackDown, it all just feels like the same show now, just obviously different um, different performers. Yeah, they'll, they'll change the color of the ropes, but that's about it. Everything else is pretty similar. Yeah, and I mean, obviously NXT has all those lasers going on in the performance center. 
I suppose that's the one thing, not NXT, SmackDown. It's the one thing that makes SmackDown stand out is all those lasers they have. Yeah, they, they've got the, the little production value stuff that they've got going. But, you know, again, especially because the Performance Center doesn't really have the ramp either, so you don't get the, the full-on entrance experience. It's just sort of, it is what it is. I, I know it's a difficult situation, but it's definitely tough for sure. How do you find not having a crowd there makes the difference in a good way and a bad way? What does the feel, no crowd experience do for you? For me... I feel like I don't always miss it. If I'm engrossed in a good match, like obviously the crowd definitely helps to energize in some of the the slower parts and stuff like that. But if I find I'm in the middle of a good match, the, the energy is enough usually to carry me forward. But there are moments that have happened. Like if we talk about uh, AEW, like the debuts of Matt Hardy and Brody Lee, or the six woman ladder match that happened in NXT a couple weeks ago, like there are mo- uh, the EO Shirai victory. There are moments where I really do miss the crowd. Cause just knowing the huge pop that would have happened if, if the crowd was there. Yeah, I do definitely agree with you. There's some matches that you feel like you need the crowd because it, it, gives that extra experience but then there's some matches or if not matches promos that are so much better because you don't have that crowd and i don't i think it's almost down to you've got like obviously not everyone's made to do this without a crowd but you've got some people that can just do it so well without a crowd like for instance oscar's a big name that comes to mind without a crowd she's just so comedically funny yeah, and she's always had that amazing, like, the her in-ring personality and persona has always been really good. And there are those few wrestlers. Like, I do love uh, getting to hear some of the smack talk that they have back and forth with, without the crowd. I have appreciated the people who can really, like, bring it in that regard. Uh, they have really entertained me. Uh, there was a match between Tyler Breeze and Austin Theory where Tyler Breeze was referring to Austin Theory as Youngblood, and I really enjoyed that. Yeah, it's another example of great not-crowd matches and promos. Or Becky Lynch is another one that's done well. Or Something that stood out for me is like you were talking about that six-woman ladder match on NXT a couple of weeks ago. The one thing I've noticed without the crowd, um, you hear the impact of the crashes a lot more, mm. and it emphasizes how painful it, or it overemphasizes the pain or it exaggerates the pain and it makes oh. you cringe and it invests you more so yes i mean it probably would be good to have the crowd for maybe the victory part of eo winning but that ladder match without the crowd it just works so well yeah that is very true hearing uh i think it was dakota kai who went through that bridge ladder on the side oh and that was yeah it just like the snap of it really it pinged through the the arena it was really cool it's and it's another thing that they've done so well is their movie theater sort of matches like oh yeah we've had the boneyard match and i'm not going to talk about the other one because that was just garbage but the Boneyard <laughs> the other one was not, as I said to Kevin on the last episode, 
that was not a match. That was a vignette of John Cena's career. Yeah, it, it, I I enjoyed it, but I agree with you wholeheartedly that it was definitely it wasn't a wrestling match. I mean, they can't seriously put that down as a win to Bray Wyatt because I mean, one, when did the bell ring? Two, who counted the pinfall? It was Bray Wyatt counted his own pin. It's ridiculous. It was... I mean, the funny side of it was there were. As much as I hated that well, Vignette, because it was not a match, as much as I was irritated by that whole thing, the two things that made me pop was the puppet got puppet Vince. That's such good shit. <laughs> I, I can He's for sure said that backstage. Oh, yeah. And the fact that they could do that and capitalize off his backstage and shows that they're willing to do comedy and take the piss out of each other. But... The one bit that I was not expecting that really got me good, like when watching wrestling alone, I just sit there and watch it. I don't react. It just feels weird reacting and laughing and screaming when there's no one around to hear you. So I just watch it and enjoy it for what it is. But the bit that really got me, that really had me laughing out loud, was Bray Wyatt saying to John Cena, You can look, but you can't touch. <laughs> that was just gold for me. That that was by far the best part of that vignette for me. But going back to that NXT for a minute, after the ladder match, the end of that episode, they did the same sort of thing, but with um, Gargano and Ciampa. And for me, that was a massive highlight. Like I really enjoyed that match. It was an interesting thing to be sure, because um, and it was the production value of it was very high. And Gargano Ciampa, I I was a little bit colder on the match. I thought um, they've obviously had better matches, but without the crowd, it's very hard for that type of thing to take place. But but yeah, it was definitely different. Uh, they put together a unique story. They were all over the place. It, it did allow things like the weapon shots. Again, uh, the sound, the sights and sounds of it was was very unique for a WWE production. And it had that real movie-esque feel as well. Because when it, it did. you could really sit there and enjoy it, the only thing that I suppose would have killed that match was the adverts. Yeah. Because there were just so many adverts in that match. Like if we could have that whole match without adver- as many adverts as we were getting, and just, like, no commentary as it was, no adverts. Have all the adverts you needed to before that. Just have that match straight. That would have been pure epicness. Yeah, I agree. I think I think there were five or six commercial breaks over the course of it. It was something like that, which was, it was a lot. Like, even, even if it was an hour-long match, like, that's still a lot well, of in and out. I was just going to say, I think they had five or six in the last half an hour. <laughs> it might have been I, I might have lost count during during my recap of it I sort of the one thing I sort of wanted was for someone to get when they were on top of that truck I just wanted to watch someone get pushed off that's what I was expecting when they went up on the truck I just assumed someone was going off of it and we're meant to support the he, uh, faces and boo the heels but I've always been a Gargano fan so and I don't know what it is but I've never been 
as much as I like Chomper, I've never been as invested in him. Even when they had that one-on-one clash when they were both faces, before they were signed to the WWE, when it was that Cruiserweight Classic and they had that really good technical masterclass, I was still supporting Johnny Gargano. And I always have. Regardless of whether he's the face or the heel, I'm a Johnny boy all the way. He is incredibly talented. And he's a guy that I'm very interested to see. I'm not sure what he is, what he's going to do yet in NXT. I think they're they're building him. Uh, he and Candice is sort of an NXT power couple for a while. But he was always a guy who I was kind of looking forward to seeing make a main roster jump. Now, obviously, there's a track record of guys of his size and stature going to the main roster and just getting lost in the shuffle. Yeah. But I don't know. I still feel there's some hope that WWE will see reason with Gargano. But yeah, both him and both um, Johnny and Tommaso have both said they don't want to go to the main roster. And to quote um, Johnny, he's like, what do you mean go to the main roster? NXT is the main roster. We are the A-show. And And to a certain extent, I somewhat believe it. Their win at Survivor Series helps. I mean, they still, to a certain extent, feel like developmental. But pushing, like, Charlotte and Finn back to NXT, like, it's not even back to NXT anymore. It's across to NXT or sideways. Developmental now feels like NXT UK. Yeah, a little bit for sure. I think the thing is, like, there's the occasional match where you'll see, or you'll see, you know, certain characters they are starting to build up. And I do, I do like the developmental nature of NXT uh, when it was happening, uh, as it's still happening a little bit, because I do want to see people get their first, you know, TV opportunities and take their first steps at it before the characters refined and, and repackaged and everything like that. And we get to see them just go out and, and do their thing. But, but I do agree. It's definitely becoming more and more that NXT is just another, is another show on the brand and the most entertaining of the three, I think by a, a long shot, especially in terms of match quality, but, but yeah, they are, they do have their established characters and their established people. And, it's hard to imagine them in a world without a Gargano, without a Champa, without the Undisputed Era, without Velveteen Dream. Like, it, yeah, it's hard to imagine right now. Yeah, um, another thing I do want to talk about is over the past two weeks, we have had a shit ton of releases. Like, and it all it all hit for me overnight. So I woke up at seven thirty a.m. And my fo- I woke up to my phone vibrating because that is how insane this was. Like, everyone was talking about it. My phone's on silent, but nonstop vibrating because everyone's talking about it. And I'm just getting notification after notification after notification. And I got up and I looked at it. I'm seeing this, I'm seeing that. And it's sort of like, oh, my God. Like, And it sort of shook the wrestling world to the point that it was almost like one of the most devastating days this year has seen. First, it's like, if you look at Australia, for instance, first it was the bushfires, then the floods, then coronavirus, then the releases. It's just something we're all going to look back on and be like, 
that was just insane. Yeah, it was it was one of those days that I feel like if we don't look back at that day with some level of, you know, a, a good deal of sadness, then I think we're doing a disservice to the wrestling industry. Like Yeah. All of those names and you know, some of them wanted to get a release at one time or another but i can't imagine that this was the environment they were looking to get released in where there just aren't wrestling shows going on like aside from AEW doing some tapings there's just nothing else outside of the wwe and like some of the people like gallo uh gallows and anderson getting really i know they sort of i think at one point they'd asked for their release but they were just in that Boneyard match. Yeah, and it was reported that the only reason they stayed is because AJ Styles stood up and said, if they, if you get rid of them, I go. And they didn't want to get rid of AJ Styles. Yeah. But I don't know about you, but this morning to wake up to had such an impact. The only time I've woken up in the morning and felt this much distraught and shock and disbelief the only time i felt that way other than obviously this particular morning was the morning i woke up and you'd seen all over the news there was the death of michael jackson there was september 11th as a 10 year old kid i woke up and just seen replay after replay of these two planes crashing into a tower and i'd wondered what was going on it was just a, it was disbelief and like trying to work out what was happening it's very yeah. rare these days that something wakes me up and shakes me straight up like that. I spend the whole day just going over in my head. I'm at work and I'm going over in my head. What <laughs> uh, it doesn't seem like a big deal to most people, but that's how much of an impact it had on me, especially when like everyone has their favorite wrestler. And if your favorite wrestler just out of the blue got released like that, it'd shake you and, like, I look at the names on the list, and a lot of them, like, I'd grown up with or I'd looked at them and, like, I was a massive fan, even if they were underutilized. Yeah, I think wrestling is one of those things where the people who are, re- like, really big fans of it, they devote a lot of time into this, and they're really invested in these characters and these people in these human beings. And, like... For a guy like Rusev, for example, who I am a massive fan of, I've been speaking, hoping that Rusev would get that push from WWE forever. And for his career to end the way it did with them, where it was just sort of, he was sort of gone and we used him in this weird angle with his wife. And now we're sort of done with him. So just let him go. Mm. it's a shame. Like I, he's one of those guys that you expect is going to find work elsewhere. But yeah. I don't know. Even guys like like Zack Ryder, like Kurt Hawkins, Heath Slater was always a person who entertained me. Um, oh, yeah. On whenever he was on screen, he, he has a, a charm about him, and like you hope all of these people are going to be able to find work, and I think a lot of them will, but not you know when is that going to happen like the idea of uh, crowds at a wrestling show seems like such a foreign concept right now and seems further off than you wish it would be and that's it's hard to sort of stomach right now 
Is Rusev still married to Lana in real life, or? Ah, uh, yes, he is. Because I've as looked, as I, know. I looked at it up online just to try and work out what's going on. Because I'm like, I'm assuming this is just all kayfabe, and but it's like they released Rusev but not Lana. It made me question it, and I went on to Wikipedia, and it said spouse um, on under Lana. It said spouse Rusev. And then underneath it said spouse Bobby Lashley, and I'm like, righto then. They obviously. <laughs> yeah, as far as I know, they're still married in real life, and I haven't heard anything to the contrary about that. But it's yeah, it's, it's such a weird story. It'll, I'm sure we'll find out the truth on Total Divas. Oh yeah, at some point something will come out. I'm sure. But there's a lot of names on this list that I'm looking at. Some of them make sense, some of them don't. Some of them, I'm glad they got released. Not because of any distaste or anything. But it's like, I was a fan of them or I knew they had so much more to give and they weren't getting given the chance to do what they can do. And I'm glad they got released so they can go to somewhere and become a major hit and follow their dreams and show off how much passion they have. Like, for instance, Kurt Angle isn't a big deal like he's obviously retired he's a hall of famer he's got the freedom to go do interviews he's not locked down for life like the undertaker is he's not going to be stealing up spots at um super showdown kurt angle it's not that i'm happy i'm not dishappy i'm sort of in the i'm sitting on the fence with that one it's not really one that fades me but then you've got drake maverick like, I know how much he wants to be there. You could see how visibly upset he was. But he's going to get the chance to go be Rockstar Spud again. Yeah. I'm very much looking forward to see what Spud's next move is. And then you've got um Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. They have been misutilized from the moment they walked in. So I'm actually glad they're gone because I want to go see him tear it up in Japan. Oh, yeah. I, I can't wait for their... I imagine they're going to return to, to New Japan and uh, the Bullet Club probably has a spot waiting for them. Oh, yeah. We'll have um, the OCs versus the OGs or God or whatever they call themselves these days. <laughs> and then you'll, you've got the likes of, for instance, EC3 is another one I am so happy to see gone. I don't think I've seen him on Raw since he got demolished by Dean Ambrose. And that's saying something. Yeah, that was a long... He was one of those guys... Because I remember him from... uh, I don't know if you remember the TakeOver New Orleans, the ladder match that they had, uh, the kickoff. It's one of my favorite wrestling matches that I've ever watched. That's probably my favorite show still, is that uh, TakeOver New Orleans in advance of WrestleMania 34. And everybody who was in that ladder match played their part so well and EC3 as this sort of, you know, conniving heel and and then all of his work uh, obviously in TNA uh, as, you know, as Ethan Carter, he's such a good promo. He's an amazing promo. He's solidly built. He's got a good look. He's, he's decent in the ring. I feel like he's a guy who should have been a star. And I, it was, it was such a bizarre thing to see them miss on EC3 in WWE. I also find it um, interesting. Is it just me, or do you feel like he got underutilized in NXT as well? 
He did. He wasn't really like he was there for a little bit. I think he had, you know, a couple small feuds, but yeah, he just never really. And then they called him up so quickly. I just assumed when they called him because I I think I said uh, I was talking to Rylan after that that takeover. Um, and I said, you know, he's the type of guy who he could you could call him up right away because he has the look, he has the the promo chops. There's no reason to to hold him in NXT for too long. But if they were going to keep him in, in NXT, I figured they were going to use him better. But yeah, he just sort of disappeared really quickly. Yes. Yeah, another thing I find interesting is, did you notice how not once did they refer to him as Ethan Carter or they didn't nope. elaborate on what EC3 stands for? Not once. They, I thought they would have, if they've obviously got the rights to the name EC3, you thought they would have brought up even the name Dixie Carter. Yeah, it WWE has this weird fascination with pretending that the rest of the world doesn't exist. Like I remember, I remember uh, the match that I we just uh, reviewed. Um, one of the cruiserweight matches from NXT this week was Kushida and uh, Tony Nice, and. I remember them talking about, oh, Kushida has experience in round-robin tournaments before, but no elaboration, no details. And and then I think Tony Nese was making fun of him. He's like, I'm better than any of those guys you faced in those other tournaments. And it's like, you know, I, I understand you don't want to talk about your competition, but wrestling is such a uh, rising tide lifts all boats business. Mm-hmm. I don't understand WWE's need to pretend that the rest of the wrestling world doesn't exist. Like the only time I think I've really heard it mentioned, like they mentioned New Japan a little bit, but I don't think they even call it New Japan. They just said, "Oh, he's a IWGP champion over in Japan." Like obviously, when talking about AJ Styles and the yeah. OC, when they obviously yeah. debuted. But where would you like to see EC3 go to? Would you Ooh. send it back to? If you could wish anything for him, obviously wishing for the best, would you have him go back to Impact or would you send him off to AEW? I'd be tempted. That's the thing. I'm sort of torn with him because I think he'd be big on Impact. I think he could go back and and be a star again. But there's something about the idea. I heard it floated around the idea of him pairing with MJF on AEW. Oh, that sounds amazing. Oh, I like that. That could be an interesting tag team. Because those two have amazing promo chops. And I can't imagine their their promotional chemistry. And, you know, their their in-ring stuff is, is, you know, it's good enough to carry it as well. But they're such, like, they're heels heels. And I feel like that would make, you know, it would be great. It would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Because, I mean, someone also mentioned the possibility of him going to NWA um, Power. See, that one that one's interesting. Because to me, and I'm a, I'm a person who is a fan of, of NWA. I try to check out Power whenever I can, uh, whenever I could anyway. To me, the best guys on Power are the ones who really buy into the old school gimmick. So a guy like... Uh, first of all, the people I really want to see on NWA Power are the Revival, or I guess I'm not sure what their new name is yet, but um, 
the former revival, I think as that old school, we're the best tag team, uh, you know, no flips, uh, ground and pounds type of offense. I think they'd be a great collection on there. And I do think Heath Slater is one of those guys who I think would fit really nicely on that roster as well. Cause he's got, he's, he's got some old school classic chops in him, I think. Yeah. And then obviously another name that's um, popped up on that is Leo Rush. Where would you send Leo Rush to? Leo Rush, to me, I'm torn. I'm assuming. What? Okay, let's let's take out COVID out of the picture and say every promotion's up and running as normal. There's right. two places I could see, or th- three promotions I could see Leo going. But we'll call it two places, either Mexico or Japan. I'd love to, to see him in Japan. To me, uh, that's the thing. I want. I kind of want to see him in AEW, but at the same time, to miss out on the opportunity of seeing Leo Rush and the best of the Super Juniors. See, if he's <sighs> smaller than what he currently is, Will Ospreay versus Leo Rush. Oh, that would be amazing. Because Will Ospreay is now, um, as of from what I've noticed, his interview with Chris Van Vliet, he's now classified as a heavyweight. Yeah, he definitely like. Yeah, he definitely wants to to make the jump into the into the heavyweight division. I think for for New Japan, there is definitely a push after a while for the guys who are really dominant in the the in the juniors to to move up to do the the heavyweight stuff. And you know, more power to him. I think he'll be great in that role. But yeah. Him and Leo would be amazing. Yeah. And then you've got... um, What about Kurt Hawkins? Where would you put him? Ooh, Kurt... To me, I feel like Zack Ryder and Kirk Hawkins... I'd like to see them stick together if they could. I'm not sure if they're, if they're willing or anything like that. But I'd love to see the two of them... Those guys are like two of the indie guys. Those guys are guys I want to see show up in a whole bunch of different promotions... I want to see them uh, doing, you know, four or five shows on WrestleMania weekend for a bunch of different uh, weird indie promotions and stuff like that. Because I think they've got they've got a frenetic energy. They've got a platform that they could use to put themselves over for sure. I think, you know, Zack Ryder's proven uh, that his internet chops are amazing. And I want to see some more, you know, Z True uh, stories make it yeah. have that type of thing make a reappearance zach Ryder's is one that's really hit um home for me like i was a massive fan back when like 2011 when zach Ryder yeah. was so over it's heath slater and zach Ryder are the sort of i was a fan of heath slater since his nxt days i wanted heath slater to win it not wade barrett but, yeah that would be great that would have been that would have been really cool. Zach Ryder's probably the one name on that list I really, really did not want to see leave WWE. As much underutilized as he was, I think that place was the perfect fit for him. And I think he deserved a better push. He I really think- did. He had like solid upper mid card potential and they just sort of they buried him to, you know, to further a John Cena story. Hmm. And he could have had the story that Kofi Kingston had. It would have worked so well. The underdog getting that WrestleMania victory. Oh, yeah. 
can you imagine that? something like let's um, for instance fantasy book this we'll go a heel Rusev with the world title that is something there's something totally different that we could even discuss later but a heel Rusev Wrestlemania being demolishing everyone as he was at the start of his career and then he's gone through John Cena he's gone through Randy Orton he's gone through Roman Reigns Drew McIntyre and he's gone through all the big names he's even made Brock Lesnar tap out now we need someone to come up against Rusev and out of the blue the underutilized haven't seen in weeks Zack Ryder comes out and it's like the biggest joke going and then he starts building up some wins maybe one against No Way Jose then he gets another one against Carl Anderson goes to NXT, has a couple of wins there, comes back to Raw, crosses over to SmackDown, has more couple of wins there, goes to WrestleMania against Rusev for the world title. And in the underdog of the year story, a year in the making, wins at WrestleMania. What a pop that would be. The crowd in this 70,000 filled out stadium would go nuts. Especially, they just had their WrestleMania in New York. I can't even imagine how huge that, that, that crowd reaction would have been. Can you just imagine a full sold, even if it did go back to New York for that, a full sold out New York stadium, you can't hear Michael Cole over the speaker. Sort of like when Michael Cole was trying to um, speak and the booze in Chicago for John Cena against Sam Punk Money in the Bank 2012, I think it was, 2011. Yeah, that sort of atmosphere, but for Zack Ryder at WrestleMania, you deserve it. Oh man, yeah, I just created something I know I'll never get, and now I want it more than ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, that's the thing, and like, I, I also heard, you know, because you mentioned Heath Slater as well, and I heard, you know, Jander had that title run. However, that sort of happened. Drew had the title run, and. Keith Slater is never going to complete the dream for 3MB. Well, never say never because the one thing they all have in common is Drew McIntyre got released before coming back to win it. That is true. The same with Jinder Mahal. Heath Slater, till now, has yet to be released. He's been there since 2009. So Heath Slater's release could be coming back and then completing the miracle 3MB world title dream. It's just weird that Jinder Mahal was the first one to do it. It is weird that he was the first one, but yeah, I, I could... There is a, a world where some of these guys, especially you know some of the younger ones, go out, um, just go and kill it on the indies, go, go find... Uh, Go find their uh, their stars the great opportunity to have some successes, and then WWE looks to hire them back. My big question now, after all of these releases, after you know WWE has sort of shown itself to be the company that it is, I know the money's really good, obviously, but I do wonder if they're hurting their reputation and their opportunity to get those big stars after something like this happened, where. You never know. As soon as it's inconvenient for them, they might just get rid of you. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you there. Um, who else has been released? We've got the likes of Aiden English. He was sort of 
hasn't been used since he broke up from Rusev Day. That's a whole another catastrophe they've done uh, there. Uh, How, Rusev Day was such Rusev a it was match. one of my favorite stories, and Aiden English was such an, a great part of that, and also an underrated wrestler when he was there. He had a really good-looking frog splash. He was an interesting promo. Obviously, the voice and everything like that. He was a unique character that I feel like they're missing. And he went over to 205 Live Commentary, and he added that element to it. It was really missing. It's 205 Live hasn't been relevant since... The last thing I remember about 205 Live when it had me truly interested was when Enzo Amore was champion, and that sang something. Yeah. That's I, I, sad. The fact, that, the fact that Pac had to put over Enzo Amore. See, I wasn't even interested in when Neville was champion. It just it did nothing for me. But at least as much distaste as I had for him at the time, I wasn't a huge fan of him. I was more a big Cass fan, even though Cass, compared to Enzo, had no personality. Yeah. Enzo got 205 Live on the main event of Monday Night Raw. No one has done that since. Yeah. But then, in saying that, since they went to Smack, when SmackDown went to SmackDown Live or whatever it was, 205 Live then just became irrelevant on Raw, and you haven't seen... A, they stopped saying the Cruiserweights are a part of Raw... They've totally phased them out. It's how much more irrelevant can the cruiserweights become, other than obviously Lucha House Party? Yeah, I think they're doing. Uh, it was a good idea to move the cruiserweight title to NXT. Yeah, but at the, at the same time, and this is the problem that you have with NXT sort of being this: is it developmental? Is it? Um, not you have the main event scene on NXT is really really good. You have the North American title uh, picture that is you know Keith Lee is is amazing and and I want to see him have all the things. And then you have this truly amazing women's division loaded with talent, and you have a two hour show that how, how do you find time for all of these people? Yeah. And then still let those well, developmental wrestlers get the TV time they need to, you know, get better. Another name on the list is, that caught me off guard, which I'm, I don't know how I feel. Like, I'm sort of sad to see her go because she was starting to become relevant again with Sarah Logan. Yeah, Sarah, if you remember uh, the Elimination Chamber match, before Shayna Baszler came out and, you know, murdered everybody, Sarah Logan was having a pretty good exchange uh, with Ruby Riot and with Natalia at the beginning of that match. And I feel mm. like I am looking forward, if, if she is gone, I know there's rumor now that the WWE is contemplating bringing her back uh, because people said, you know, firing her was a mistake. But I think if she gets the opportunity... Hmm? I think it was. Yeah, I agree. But if she gets the opportunity to go out in the Indies and be crazy Mary Dobson again, I I want that for sure. Like, that sounds amazing. Well, I'd almost send her to AEW. I reckon she'd be a good fit over there. 
Yeah, she really would. And the women's division there could use uh, a couple extra people to at very least tell AEW that, you know, you need to give them a bit more time. And then the other name that was surprising considering how much he'd been used was Rowan. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that's another interesting topic, Rowan. He sort of just become relevant. He'd become a standout, obviously, other than Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman. He was doing a lot more than Luke Harper. But that cage storyline with what monster was inside, they sort of built it up to be something big. And you, there was nothing they could do to live up to the hype. No. It was one of those stories that they planned it out without knowing what the end was. And then they had to try to write themselves an ending, and they could never write an ending that was going to be good enough for it. And then, of course, they they got bored with it. And I think when he revealed the spider to No Way Jose in a backstage segment... And it like, was a spider? Like, seriously? Yeah, yeah it's just... like. I remember the Bludgeon Brothers, when they first started, were a very a stoic, dominant, big man tag team that they just sort of got bored with. And yeah. WWE, to me, um, I do like The Fiend and everything that has come out of uh, this version of Bray Wyatt, but I was such a big fan of Bayou Bray of that that character that he had going for, for all those years. And the fact that they ruined that faction, like the, the Wyatt family just never got that opportunity to get that great send-off. They just sort of tore it down because they were bored with it. Yeah, and Bray Wyatt never got the opportunity to be that transcendent character. Like That, that was a great shame to me because those guys had so much potential together. And then you've got like, Obviously, you got the Bray Wyatt with the little straw hat and the um, Hawaiian flannel shirt. But one of my favorite incarnations of it was when he had that hoodie and he had his head down. When they transitioned from SmackDown just being the B show to being a completely separate show, and it became SmackDown Live, you've got everyone outside of the ring and you've got Bray Wyatt just standing there with the hoodie down. And he sort of just had this real darker atmosphere to it. And I'm like, mm. I'm interested. Yeah. And they just, you know, they got tired of him. Um, speaking of Bray Wyatt, I was watching um, on the network, they had that top 10 best matches of the past decade. And one of them that came up was the Wyatt family versus the Shield at Elimination Chamber. And oh my God, I forgot how good that was. Yeah. That was an absolutely, like, those two teams at the peak of their powers. And even Michael Cole basically said it. The match hasn't even started and the crowd is so hot for this. Like, the Shield came down, they made their entrance, they got in the ring and they stood there and they watched the White family come down. And the line of three standing, line of three standing outside of the ring, the White family hadn't even got in the ring. And the whole crowd was chanting, this is awesome, this is awesome. And they were just so hot for it. Halfway through the match, you've got, let's go Wyatt, let's go Shield, let's go Wyatt. And 
It was not. Um, I I was so enjoying that match, just rewatching. I'd I'd totally forgotten about it as well. Yeah, um, that was one. I think that might be one of the great shames of. There was a show uh, that actually Ryland ended up going to, but I I didn't. I wasn't able to that day uh, when they did a live show in Winnipeg, and and Ryland ended up going to it. Uh, my partner on, on Wednesday Night Wallop, and the he was there, and they got to see his entrance. Uh, he got to see his entrance live with the with the fireflies and everything like that. And it seemed like when they were together and that making that entrance and the crowd was just totally in their back pocket, it just seemed like something that how could you possibly mess it up? And the way they sort of went out, just sort of, you know, not really breaking up, not even getting that angle where they got the opportunity to really make themselves a single star is they just sort of, you know, fizzled out because they were bored with them. It's it's yeah. a shame. And because one of them got injured, so it was like Actually, wasn't a Bray disappeared for a bit because he got injured? Yeah, I think Bray got injured. Uh, Luke Harper definitely got injured for a while too. I think he was out for for quite a bit. But, but they yeah, sort of, they sort of tried turning them on each other when they had Harper versus Rowan at in that five on five Survivor Series match when, um, well, yeah, Rowan became a face for that little bit. Yeah, they, I think they made a couple of attempts, but they never really. They get behind it a little bit. I think there was even a moment there where Rowan, you know, Rowan had that match against Roman Reigns not that long ago. Mm. But they both had some pretty epic matches as single stars as well. Yeah, but they did. Rowan and Reigns had some good matches, but then another one a lot of people forget about is Harper versus Dolph Ziggler for the IC title. Yeah, yeah, that was, it feels so long ago. Another one, uh, another set of names, I'm actually glad to see Gorn because, I mean, what was the point of keeping them there? Is Epico and Primo. Yeah, they're definitely an interesting case because, like, what was the last time they've actually been I on I was like, thinking the same thing. It's... Like, I know they were injured for a bit, and then they came back and they had one match on TV. Like, unless they're getting used on main event, I don't know it because I don't watch main event. Yeah. But if you're on main event and nothing else, you're pretty much irrelevant because I'm pretty sure the only people that see main event these days are the ones that are actually in the stadium. Because <laughs> who watches... Who honestly watches main event? Like, no idea. I, I used to watch it back when, obviously, Sarah or Logan was having some matches on there, but... And I used to watch it all the time when they had main event and superstars, but... And they had title defenses on main event, and they had Miz versus Dolph Ziggler on main event. They actually had some matches, but now it just feels like a replay show of Raw or a replay show of SmackDown, and they just put these really boring... I wouldn't even call it a B-plus. I'd call it more like a D-minus match on there. Yeah. That's it's a shame that you have all this talent that you know, and it, I get you know the releases are going to allow other talent to get some opportunities maybe, but it feels just like 
whenever WWE gets the chance to jump on the opportunity to push that nostalgia button, they're so quick to do it. And you have so much talent on your current roster. Like, think of a guy like Ricochet, who on the indies was one of the stars. And when he ended up going to WWE when he was in NXT, he was doing more and more incredible things. Like the match, uh, the match on the NDC, was it New Japan where he had a match with Will Ospreay? Or was that, I can't remember where that was. Um, I believe that was for the Walt, Walt Culture Pro Wrestling World Cup. Oh, yes. But I think it's it was like the third round. And that was by far what was said at the time, one of the best matches of all time. Yeah. And the idea that Ricochet is now, you know, oh, we're bored with him. He's not he's not good. Uh, what are you talking about? He's he's the best. It's a shame. It really I, is. I honestly can't wait till Ricochet gets a decent opponent at WrestleMania and he gets to tear it one on one with him. Yeah. That'd be um, great. Did you see the Will Ospreay interview with um Chris Van Bleet? No, I didn't end up seeing it. I've been meaning to, but I have not. I have not had a look at it. Um, yeah, Will Ospreay's a fascinating character for sure. Yeah, he's really caught my eye in the last year or so. But they were talking about a potential matchup between Will Ospreay at New Japan versus CM Punk. That'd be fascinating. Um, CM Punk said if he comes back, there's so many matches he'd want to do or whatever it was and he listed off names like he'd want to get in the ring with I think Seth Rollins he said all and he's listed all these big WWE names and the one WWE name on that or the one name on that list that wasn't WWE was Will Ospreay and Will's like hold on we've never met I've never interacted with him but he wants to match with me and it just shows that CM Punk watches New Japan and I'm yeah. like oh, that's interesting and, you know, Will Ospreay is just this sort of, like, he's a transcendent star. He's one of those guys that I don't know that he's ever going to go to WWE. It just doesn't seem like it would make sense for him to do that because yeah. he has this opportunity to, you know, he's able to do whatever he wants. Yeah. And it, that's what he discussed as well. He said, it doesn't make sense at the moment. I'm not interested in it at the moment, but maybe one day you will see me there. I'm not as much as. I don't see myself going there. Never say never. I'm not close to the idea. I mean, that's the thing. Your 20s turn into your 30s and uh, that allure of, you know, the decent paycheck that you're going to get at WWE. It's, it becomes more and more interesting as you, as you get a little bit older. And I mean, it sounds selfish, but I honestly don't want him to go there. Like, no, said, I don't either. And Ring of Honor, one of... Before the pandemic, Ring of Honor signed two Australian stars, Slex and Adam Brooks. And I had a match with Adam, not a match, I had an interview with Adam Brooks um, late last year. And he was saying that he was ready to give up wrestling. And he had a match with Will Ospreay, which um, reinvigorated his career. Like It gave him that passion and that spark that he was missing. He said... Will Ospreay gave him such a good match that he enjoyed so much that he was in tears afterwards. And Ospreay came up to him saying, hey, mate, did I hurt you? I'm so sorry. And he's like, no, no, no. 
I was going to give up, but you've made me want to keep wrestling in Osprey Station. Look, I'll make a star out of you if that's what you want. And now he's over <laughs> in Ring of Honor. But Will yeah. Osprey's gone to um, our local promotion, MCW. I didn't, re- before the um, Adam Brooks interview, I did not realize how big MCW was. But oh boy, have they had some good matches down there. Well, I, I even subscribed to it. I was enjoying it that much. But for those that haven't seen it, and I know I've said this so many times, I will keep saying this 2019 worldwide match of the year. MCW Endgame main event triple threat elimination championship match for the world title. The champion slacks versus Dowie James versus Adam Brooks. The nine and a half year story culminates with Adam Brooks winning the title. Go and watch that match. Oh my God. It is nonstop. It is great storytelling. And, oh, what a beautiful match that was. Like, I was invested the whole way, and that's, that was the first full MCW match I'd seen. And if you don't get hooked into MCW because of that match, oh, I'm just joined by the cat. Anyway, if you don't get hooked by that match, there's something seriously wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've given me some homework to do for sure. I'm, I'm Yeah, I've got it. The Australian scene isn't something that I have a great deal of, of history with. I haven't seen a lot of it, but it seems fascinating. You're seeing more and more Australian stars break out in the world of wrestling uh, outside of Australia now. So it definitely seems like a, a hot scene right now. Yeah, and like you've got MCW in the southeast corner of Australia in the state known as Victoria coming from Melbourne. You've yep. got Riot City Wrestling oh, Riot Wrestling, whatever it's called, over in South Australia, where Josh comes from. And they've produced some great stars. Like, obviously, Adam Brooks is going to Ring of Honor. Um, the guy that trained him, Adam Brooks is the only one that has ever been trained by his mentor, um, Matt Silver, who also mm. goes by the name Buddy Murphy. Yeah. You've, um, MCW's produced the likes of Billy Kay. It's produced... Um, they had and here i go drawing blanks again <laughs> um, one of the nxt cells the kiwi that um, oh this um tegan knox yeah car yeah. that's the one dakota car yeah how can i forget that it's rhea ripley came from adelaide it's produced some major stars and then one of the bullet club members down in mcw which came up in the Ashes quiz in the they didn't know who it was and this is the one question I was so proud I stumped them with I'm like which MCW star claims to be a part of the Bullet Club and they could not for the life of them work it out and when I said it was Gino Gambino they're like hold on the commentator from New Japan I'm like yep <laughs> <laughs> wow then yeah it's Australian scene's just crazy. Like, there's so much talent down here. And then there's obviously what I thought was my local promotions, just a real smaller promotion than MCW. You can find it on YouTube. It's Central Queensland Pro Wrestling. Um, they've got one of their wrestlers. I looked him up, and he's been wrestling over in Japan as well, known as the Australian Wolf. I'm like, damn, we've really produced some stars overseas. Yeah, it's definitely cool seeing, you know, people 
from in and around where he grew up, getting the opportunity to to really make it big. Like obviously, as a Winnipegger, I don't care what heel iteration of Chris Jericho exists. If he comes here, he will be cheered out the building. Oh yeah, and then and, speaking of local stars, another one made his like another. Um, Australian star who I've been hyping up for now a year and a half. I have been waiting for his NXT TV debut because I know he's been in the Performance Center. Still has yet to make his NXT TV debut, but to this morning or for you guys last night has made his debut on Friday Night SmackDown was Daniel Vito. Interesting. And he may not seem like a big name to everyone in the wrestling industry, but he's played... Um, we've got two football over here. We, well, technically three. We've got Rugby Union, which no one really talks about. We've got Rugby League, which is mainly New South Wales and Queensland. It is huge. And then you've got AFL, which I think is probably a little bit more well-known in the States and Canada. Yeah. Because AFL's main stadium, the MCG, is where Super Showdown was held. Yeah. And then that's obviously that state, Victoria and WA and a little bit of New South Wales. But Daniel Vito came from NRL, which he'd played for um, the Brisbane Broncos, which was one of the teams in my state. So I obviously have been supporting the Broncos. And to see Daniel Vito make that transition, I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm following him on Twitter. And I had the laptop over to the side with SmackDown just on in the background, not thinking anything of it. And all I hear is Michael Cole say, Daniel Vita. I'm like, wait, what? What? Hold on. Rewind. Say it again. I'm like, oh my God. Hell yeah. And then when <laughs> I realized, hold on, hold on. He's gone up against Seamus. This is going to be a three-minute squash. And I'm like, I was so torn. I'm like, why do they have to squash Daniel Vito? Then I'm like, Daniel Vito's on Friday Night Smackdown yeah. Hell yeah. That's amazing. Those, I was torn that he got squashed, but so excited for him to make his debut. Oh, the fact that they that he made his debut, that they used his name, it'll give him an opportunity to maybe he'll get to show up on NXT and start winning some matches. Yeah, it's hopefully in a year's time he's one of the biggest names in NXT. Hopefully he doesn't get released in the next year. Because, like, looking at his um, Wikipedia page um, this morning, he had the name um, Ghost Van Quaid or something like that, known as the Samoan Ghost. So I was expecting this really mystical Samoan sort of Undertaker Sting-like character with all the smoke and pyro. But he came out under his normal name. Obviously, we haven't really... We didn't really get to see much from him in that match, but when he finally gets to, whether he comes out as himself again as Daniel Vito, or he gets pushed as his character that he's obviously come up with, hopefully we get to see so much more of him because he will be a big star. I'm praying. In my gut, I know he's got the potential. I know he's going to be a big star. That's awesome. Yeah, hopefully we get to see... I mean, yeah, I'm I'm all for people making that transition over from uh, from the sports world 
Uh, and yeah, hopefully we get to see him get that big push. If he's taking it seriously enough that they're willing to put him on SmackDown, that's that's a great sign. Yeah, it's exactly. Yep. All right, so we're gonna go into our new segment that we've started up on a couple of episodes ago, known as the Pipe Bomb Academy. Now, this is how it works. You are essentially going to go to promo school. It's going to work how they do it on backstage. But the way you get judged is going to be done on Twitter. I'm going to put the audio file for everyone to listen to. They're going to listen to it, and they're going to vote on whether you get accepted into the Pipe Bomb Academy Hall of Fame or whether you get expelled. So, all I can say is welcome to the Pipe Bomb Academy. All right. So, here's your setting. Money in the Bank's coming up, and you are going to go one-on-one in a singles match for your debut against The Miz. Drop your pipe bomb. All right, let's go. Hey, Michael. Michael, I know you can hear me, man. Think you're some big star? Come out on TV, got all these shows, all these different things that you're doing? I'm coming for you. I am training. I am ready. I am getting jacked out here i am working out pushing hard every single day because i cannot wait to rub that smug smile off your face michael all i've been waiting for is the opportunity for the chance to put you down to lift you over my head and slam you to the mat you think you got it all you think you're some big movie star in the marine you don't got what it takes you're washed up. You never was. I'm here. I'm up and coming. I'm ready. I'm going to take you down, Michael. You can bet on that. And it's going to be awesome. Wow, fantastic. Well done. Thank you. It'll be interesting to see how they vote. We- yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely... <laughs> Definitely uh, got to work on the craft just a little bit, but but yeah, uh, I look forward to, to seeing how the vote goes. Yeah, well, being put on the spot like that when you don't know it's coming, it makes it quite interesting because we had um, Eric um, on the last episode, of, well, about two episodes ago now. He did the Pipe Bomb Academy as well, and he ended up going to WrestleMania against Hulk Hogan. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Uh, will you get expelled from the Pipe Bomb Academy or will you be joining Eric in the Hall of Fame? I look forward to seeing. I'm going to keep my eyes peeled to the Twitter for sure. Oh, absolutely. I can't wait to find out. So, i got to ask, with the last couple of names on this list, you've got, um, obviously, Mike and Maria. How do you feel about their departure from the Big E? I think it's something that they asked for, for sure. I think... The last time we saw them, they were in oh, just an awful, awful story. And I think they have the opportunity. See, that's, there are ones that I don't know where it's going to be. 
but I could see it being, you know, maybe a ring of honor, maybe an impact, them getting a real opportunity to sink their teeth into something. And I just, yeah, I hope they get that chance because I feel like they were always more talented than they ever got the opportunity to be in WWE. Because I cannot remember a real legitimate push for the two of them in, I can't even remember how long. Well, I can remember one, but I really wouldn't call it... It all depends on how you see it. Because, I don't know, if it's on 205 Live, do you call it legitimate? Because he was getting a push, but... Yeah, that's true. It's just, you know... Well, I think it was it was something for him to do, but even mm-hmm. still, it's sort of one of those tree falls in a forest and no one hears it type of things with 205 yeah, Live. exactly. Because he was on um, Raw losing matches and he was getting berated by his wife. And I was just like, Ugh. And it really didn't have you interested in it. But then it all made sense if you watched 205 Live. And he was in the main event of one episode against Drake Maverick where he was begging to get begging for an opportunity he was basically taking cheap shots and whatever he had to do and maverick was like i don't think you deserve it and you haven't won a match and it came to a culmination where maverick put up a real fight i think it made more of a start out of maverick than it did out of mike but it was mike ended up winning the match but any looked the best he'd ever been in as well. It was a great match to watch. But if you didn't watch 205 Live, those segments on Raw with him losing and getting berated by his wife just didn't make sense. Yeah. And that's always the shame of it, is that they were they were ones that you could see it, that there would be if they got the opportunity, they'd be able to to really take advantage of it, but certainly on the main roster, never got that chance. Yeah. Another name is obviously um, Rusev. Actually, what if Mike went to AEW? He could have probably a pretty good rivalry with Cody Rhodes. Probably. I think that that would... That's something that would make sense. Like, I could see them, them having a, a decent run on AEW for sure. It's just... The big question with all of these releases happening is how many people are AEW willing to to get to take? Mm. That's always the big question. Yeah. And then you've got... um, Who's another one? This is a name I don't recognize. Alexander Jasic? Yeah, I don't... Okay, see, I'm not actually sure if he had made his debut yet. Um, if he had maybe a match or two on NXT, but I don't think he really ever got that that opportunity to to go yet, which is too bad. Yeah, you've got um Deanna Perazzo. I remember Perazzo. Um, she had been on a couple episodes. I'm looking forward to seeing her get opportunity on on the Indies as well because she, I think, she could make a, a good push. Yeah, it's, she'd probably go well in power, I reckon. That's probably where I'd send her. Oh, yeah, that'd be good. And then there's the final name, Kasha Sono. Kasha Sono, man. Like, I mean, he that was a, a surprise. I think that one surprised me more than maybe any of them because 
he was i think he was working you know partially as as a as a teacher too but he was a guy who you had in nxt and then later nxt uk to sort of let those uh wrestlers really have the opportunity to go against a, a veteran a pro you know the former chris hero and prove that they were ready for the big time and to see him get released in this way it's it's kind of it's sad it's very sad yeah, it's, why would you send him? Ooh. Oh, I could see him. He'd be a fun one on Power uh, on NWA. Um, I could see him in, R- in Ring of Honor as well. I, it's hard to say. He's one of those guys that, you know, he'd sort of fit in in a lot of places. If you, if you wanted to do a tour of the American Indies, I think that would be something that people would appreciate. Yeah, uh, just for fun, I'd actually put him down at Impact. Mm-hmm. That would be a good one. Like, there's so many names out there, like Cassiano as a face versus Sammy Callahan. Make him a heel against Tessa Blanchard. Yeah, either of those would be good. Like, they've got they've got a few veterans in there too in in Impact that you feel like he could he could have a a good run against as a quality veteran wrestler himself. Yeah, and or you could even have him versus Tommy Dreamer. Hmm. That'd be good. It's, and the another thing I've noticed, totally off topic here, but based on what's happening, obviously in um, Impact NXT and or actually I can't even call it NXT, but Impact and SmackDown is the hacker gimmick. Yeah, there's. It was happening in NXT, but that was more of just a vignette interrupting everyone, and which turned out to be, uh, what is it? Carrius Cross? Uh, yeah, the, the former Killer Cross is gone by a less of a killer name. Which, what do you think? Good move or bad move? Does it make sense? For him to change his name or for, for him on NXT? Uh, it's... Well, okay. The one thing I've heard is the one of the reasons they changed the name is because obviously NXT's more family friendly than most other places and they don't want killer in the name. Yeah. So in that sense, it makes sense. But to change his name, like he was a huge star. So if they're introducing him as carries cross, people are probably going to get confused. Yeah. I think for the thing is that it's sort of the same thing as the war Raiders when they came oh. to NXT. Yeah. Oh. Um, when they made the move to the main roster, the WWE wasn't going to let him use the name or let them use the name War. So they so much worse. The Viking Experience might have been one of the stupidest names I've ever there we are. I've ever heard. But I feel like with with the move to uh, I think it's is it Carrion. I can't remember what his name is. Cross now. I feel like they're trying to do it now in NXT because they were never going to put Killer in the main. Um, if Vince, you know, had the opportunity to use the name Killer, he wasn't going to. So I imagine that they're going to change it now in the hope that they can get this character over on NXT, and then you you won't need to worry about him knowing or knowing the old name. But we'll see. Yes. I'm curious to see how it goes. But, and then, obviously, you've got um, 
the impact hacker was Sammy Callahan cashing in on his NXT gimmick that they really never went with. Yeah. But I don't think they did enough with it in Impact. I think they should have made it more mysterious before they revealed that it was Sammy Callahan. They should have drawn it out. Yeah. It's, I mean, and that's the thing. I know uh, the WWE version, they're definitely drawing it out. And it's it's pretty clear, at least, that Mustafa Ali is involved in it. But... Yeah. I don't know. Which, I, everyone's saying it's Ali because of that little circle thing matches Ali's light on his hand. But Ali being a hacker doesn't make sense. And I, no. It's either it, someone it, else or it's someone new. Yeah. Like, I've heard rumors of potentially it being uh, the former Chad Gable, because I'm not saying his new name, because it's, it's even dumber than the Viking experience. But... Oh, I beg to differ there. I'm uh, all for the Shorty G. Oh, Shorty G is... Oh. Sp- Here we go. Spill the tea on Shorty G. <laughs> <laughs> He was an Olympian, man. Uh, yeah. Um, the Shorty G is a little bit... It's 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 a character that has a limitation in the name. You, you, Shorty G is not winning no titles, but... I don't know. There's, there's a lot of ways that you could go with it, for sure, but it comes back to... And it's the same thing for every story that WWE does. Are they going to actually invest in it once they make the reveal? Or is it just gonna, they're just building to a reveal because that's what they think the big story is? <laughs> uh, I know what you mean, mean especially with that um, Shorty G title thing. But next week on Mining for Mayhem, I get to interview the new Universal Champion Shorty G. <laughs> yeah, like, again, I think he's an incredible wrestler, and I'd like to see him uh, get that push. I just do wonder if they're ever going to really get behind him or if it's just, you know, it's funny because he's short. Get it? He's short. Isn't it funny? It'll be a very short interview. Oh, it'll be the shortest of interviews. But speaking of interesting interviews, next week, breaking news over on the Wednesday Night Wallop, they're going to interview the new AEW World Champion, Marco Stunt. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, one of these days they're going to give Marco that title run that he deserves. <laughs> and he wins it off a roll-up off while drawing blanks again. The big tall dude that's demolishing everyone with the dreadlocks. Oh, uh, Lance Archer, Murderhawk. Yeah, imagine that. They give Lance Archer a world title run, and he goes on for a six-month run and then just loses it to Marco's stunt in like a record 15 seconds with the roll-up. I, the things he would have to do to Marco Stunt to get his heat back should not be put on film. <laughs> he'd have to throw him, str- not out of the ring, he'd have to throw him out of the arena. The only way he could, the things he'd have to do to Marco Stunt to get his heat back could only be seen on CZW. <laughs> that, is, that is very true. Ladies and gentlemen, a power tool match. Jeez. Yeah, just 
bring your tools from home. No, no boards without nails in them. We're just we're going full out. It's Marco Stunt versus Lance Archer, and to train Lance Archer up and prepare him for the match, Jimmy Havoc. Just pump him full of staples until he's ready to go. Mm. And then obviously on, you've got, over on Marco Stunt's side, training him up, preparing him for the matches, Darby Allen. <laughs> They've got a lot of people on AEW who whose uh, big claim to fame is their ability to take punishment. and It is making for some entertaining wrestling, for sure. Or even take it to the extreme. Mm-hmm. Which, I'm a huge fan of Jimmy Havoc, and the fact that they're only using him really for those extreme sort of matches, like you don't get to see him every week in major storylines, is really sad. Because he's someone that can really go when it comes to an extreme match. Oh yeah, he's he's got a, you know he's got a lot of experience, he's got a lot of years of match chops, and... And he's had, you know, a lot of great matches in the British scene. It would be nice for them to let him, you know, really go to work. Yeah, it's definitely something I'd like to see, especially that imagine they gave him a world title run and they built him up to be a world title champion. Imagine him being the one to take it off um, John Moxley in a no lights, lights out, whatever they call it, match. Yeah, one of those two in the opportunity to do hardcore would be it would be amazing. They break out some stunts for sure. And I saw on Twitter today someone posted like what would you like to see out of AEW and they had two other options but the main two options that caught my eye was a trios title or a hardcore title. And obviously they wouldn't call it the hardcore title they'd call it like the all elite extreme or the all extreme wrestling title, something like that. Yeah. I feel like trios is interesting because they have a lot of, uh, three person groups. Like, uh, you think of, um, the, was it the, the death triangle where Pac is working with, uh, Lucha, uh, the Lucha bros, or, you know, you've got the elite, you've got the various members of the inner circle, they're all and uh, the best friends in Orange Cassidy. Like there are a lot of groups that you could put together where that would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, so I definitely love to see a trios title, but they've got a lot of really good hardcore, at very least take it to the extreme wrestlers. Jimmy Havoc, we've already mentioned, Darby Allen, Joey Janela, who doesn't really get an opportunity to to wrestle that much anymore. Like yeah. both of those would be great. Well, that's what I said. I'm like, why not make a faction out of Joey Janela, Darby Allen, and Jimmy Havoc and have it like Team Extreme, something like that? Yeah, there's a there's a definite there's a path where that that would make a lot of sense. Just guys who are are willing to go all out and not never say die type of thing. There's there's definitely a, something that works about that. Or you could have it like um, the very extreme punishment or the VEPs versus the EVPs in um, the Bucks and Omega. <laughs> like imagine the, or just extreme punishment, we'll call them. Extreme punishment mm. versus um, Omega and the Bucks. Or That'd be got, great. 
what's another one? Extreme Punishment versus Jake Hager, um, Sammy Guevara, and we'll throw in... Who's the other one they had join the faction? Um, oh, oh, Jeff Cobb? That's the one. Jeff Cobb. Uh, yeah. Uh, you see uh, the Extreme Punishment versus Pac and the Lucha Bros, the Death Triangle. There's Yeah, there's a lot of great options there. And I mean, you could even do what Lucha Underground did and allow the females to compete in there with them. Mm. They have been talking about potentially doing intergender in AEW. I know it's something that I think TNT has pushed back on, but I do wonder if there is a world where where it does make sense, especially since some of the women are getting, you know, they're getting more and more involved in some of the matches, uh, the managers at very least. Penelope Ford has been hurricane running, running everybody uh, at, of late. I think it might be coming in the future, and for me, I'd like to see it. Yeah, oh, I'm absolutely there with you. I think there's a place for intergender wrestling, and I think um, Tessa Blanchard and Sammy Callahan really showed the world what they can do. Yeah. I think Impact's done well with that. I think the only thing that hindered that match was all the drama that went down with Blanchard before the match. Yeah. And it's like, as great as that match was, in the back of your mind, you had all that drama going on. And it's like, I was behind Blanchard all the way, and I still was. And I'm just like, can we just leave Blanchard alone? Focus on the upcoming match. Stop focusing on the outside bullshit. I mean, why are they coming out now and attacking her? Days before the biggest match of her career over something that happened, what, four years ago? Yeah, it was definitely a, a difficult situation, to be sure. I was like, there was what, Sienna and Chelsea Green. Yeah, I can't remember exactly who it was that, that came out. It was a, that was a while ago now. Yeah, well, they were the two major names. And I mean, Chelsea Green was known as Laurel Van Ness. Um, then there was... Sienna was... Actually, she was known as Sienna, wasn't she? Yeah, she was. Back when they were team like in a trio's female faction alongside Maria Canales or was she Maria Canales or was she Maria Bennett? That's a good question. I can't, I I assume Bennett, I think Canales was WWE, but I'm not sure. Because it was Maria Canales for WWE because he then became Mike Canales, but in Impact he was known as Mike Bennett. Yes. I would, yeah, I'd have to check back because I'm not actually, um, no, it was probably Maria Canellis. Yeah, I think she was still using the Canellis nickname as the first, or maybe it was hyphenated. I'm Maria Canellis Bennett, the first yes. lady of professional wrestling. That sounds, that sounds familiar. And they were sort of setting up for that wedding with Laurel Van Ness and then, um, her soon-to-be partner, whatever his name was, Mr. Irrelevant, we'll call him. I mean, he's obviously more relevant than that, but he's, I don't even think he's with Impact anymore. I can't remember, actually. Probably not. But that was... Um, he obviously turned on her because he was a face, she was a heel. And she was like this stuck-up, rich girl, spoilt-by-her-daddy heel. 
And when he broke up with her, that sent her off the bandwagon. And then she became the, I can't even remember her nickname, the something mess. It's the hot mess? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, it's been a while. That was, what, 2016? Hmm. Yeah, somewhere around there. I think that was back when, it might have even been before 2016, because it was back around when the Hardys were relevant as well. Because Hardy's debut or returned in 2016 at WrestleMania. Because the Broken Universe was on Impact. Right. Yeah, that's a, they returned for Mania. Now I'm trying to remember this. Thirty was it 33? Yes, I believe it was 33, where they made it look like a roller coaster in the background. Right. So yeah, so that would have been. Uh, early seventeen. So it would have been yeah, twenty sixteen around when the, when the Hardys were doing their thing in, in Impact. Yeah, so yeah, about twenty sixteen we're looking at. But mm-hmm. uh, it's been great having you on. Great catching up. Uh, I do have some news for you that you are unaware of at this stage that does affect you. That you're either going to be happy for this nomination or you're going to be like, oh my god. But your good friend Rylan has nominated you for season two of The Hot Seat. Interesting. (laughs) So if you're down for it, there's a spot in season two of The Hot Seat for you. Well, absolutely. I'm I'm very much looking forward to that. You reach out to me and let me know uh, when you need me for that, because, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, well, once season one concludes and season two, I get everyone set up for season two, I'll definitely reach out to you and let you know when and where. Excellent. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And uh, thanks for having me on today. Oh, it's been an absolute blast. Thanks for getting up as early as you did. <laughs> it's my pleasure. So what's coming up for you and Rylan on the Wednesday Night Wallop, and what have you got planned for the future? Well, we've got a couple things going. We obviously are continuing our Wednesday night um, shows, um, our reviews of AEW and NXT, so long as those shows continue to happen, uh, Dynamite and NXT. And also, we have a series that we're doing reviewing the Last Dance, the Netflix ESPN documentary on the 97-98 Chicago Bulls season and uh, the greatness that is Michael Jordan. So uh, if you're so inclined, you can check that out. Uh, it's on the same feed as Wednesday Night Wallop, so if you're getting uh, the one podcast, you can get the, the other for sure. And everything that we're doing is on our Twitter, at Wallop. so by all means, check that out. Oh, absolutely. And there's some great blokes. If you haven't followed them on Twitter, go follow them. Go start up a conversation. They're great guys to have. Go reach out to them and get them as a guest on your podcast because I've had both of them now. We've obviously got um part two of our AEW special coming up at some point this year. We're still going to discuss when that'll happen. For sure. I'm looking forward to that. Oh, yeah. Part one was an absolute blast because that was just me basically discussing the little knowledge that I know and talking to you and Rylan about it and learning all about AEW and obviously discussing my thoughts and opinion on it, basically how AEW come to be. I've got Mags coming on at some point in the future for match three of the wrestling ashes so i look forward to that happening as well we've got um 
obviously more pipe bomb academies to come back next week we'll see the return of um the random react segment we've got so much coming up we've got more hot seat coming up there's going to be a hot seat released hours from now this will be released monday morning so obviously by the time you guys are hearing this the final match of the quarterfinals of the hot seat will be released it'll be between who's it between it give me two seconds let me load up this hot seat for a second my hot seat figures it is between the john john from the johnners podcast and anthony from aa talks and the dow pod and they went toe-to-toe on survivor series so that's the final match there and what i can reveal to you at this point is in the semi-finals um the winner of that match goes on to face kevin from wrestling reverb mags from the badlands podcast and why we watch is going up against matt from good cop bad cop so we have got some real killer matches coming up this will be interesting to see so yeah sounds great it sounds like a great matchup yeah so stay tuned for all that coming up here thanks for listening and everyone if you need to rewind to find out where to follow us obviously i'm at aussie lucian go follow me on twitter youtube for your sunday night shout outs stay safe everyone and we will see you all next week